This is Coda Radio, episode 187 for January 11th, 2016. Welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week, hunkered down in the Dominic Castle at the Buccaneer Docks. Why, yes, it's Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Mike. Ahoy, laddie. Ahoy. Ahoy to you, sir. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm almost completely over my cold. Do I sound better? Do I sound... How do I sound? Uh, you sound like a man who just got bitch slapped by the bank. Yeah, yeah. The pre-show, I, I revealed that I have been just going back and forth trying to get a, a new place to live financed, and uh, they, don't like, they don't like you being self-employed, and they nope. don't like you uh, uh, being a podcaster, because it turns out podcasters don't make a lot of money. <laughs> so they don't like that very much. Uh, you know, you know just a, this is a little thing, though, that just a, I don't know anything about being a business. I don't know nothing. But I'll tell you the one thing they do like a lot is if you have pay stubs, and, and yes. they really like pay stubs. So make sure if you want to ever do any financing, you structure your, your business in a way that it, you, in fact, have pay stubs. Of course, since they sometimes, depending on what you're financing, want multiple years worth yeah. of records, it, um, sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, that has been an up and down experience, Mike. I It's draining because then I come into work and I've already been dealing with the minutia of details and paperwork and stress and planning and like forecasting and budgeting before I even walk through the door. And then it's like I have to deal with all that stuff at work too. Well, my favorite's like, okay, so you, you get there. You know, let's say because an RV, I've never bought an RV, um, but let's just take it down. You're buying a car, right? Talk to the sales guy. You work out something within your budget. You figure what the payments are going to be. You have the advertisement from the newspaper. Then it's like, yeah, but you know, yeah, yeah. Here's the yeah. here's the dealer price. But see, then we added in all of these nice options that you're going to want, and they are like legitimately nice options, but. You know, that, so that's never the same price you expect. Then you get down on all what, what you get down on a deal, quote unquote, and then they take it to like the seven or eight different banks they're going to try to finance you, and they they ding your credit eight times while they do it. Right. Uh, and so, it, and then of course, you know, it's a back and forth for two weeks. If you if you want to know what buying a really large recreational vehicle is like, a big Class A diesel pusher. If you've ever bought a car, and you've ever bought a house, combine those two experiences. The entire sales process is very much like a car in all of the worst ways possible. And yeah. then the, the financing process is very much like uh, buying a house in all of the worst ways possible. Um, and these guys like didn't even know what dividends were. So like they weren't even like sure how to count dividends towards income. And like it's just it was the it has been literally two minutes before we got on air. I was getting a phone call still trying to push the deal through because I'm leaving for scale at the end of this week. Well, and you know, all these deals have a half life of like ten days, right? Like beyond that, they kind of start to decay and people lose interest. Yeah. Although my favorite is you're in one of these situations, let's say the auto dealer or I guess the RV dealer in your case, and you know you deal with a sales guy, right? You make a deal, and then they're like, "So where are your pay stubs?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I uh, see for, for me, there's a particular extra wrinkled layer there because, uh, you know, recently divorced. And so the house that Angela and the kids live in is still in my name. So not only are they like, dude, you're a podcaster, but you already have a house that is, you know, a pretty large size house. Right. That, so, so, so you're qualifying as a second home now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyways, it has been a crazy, crazy couple of weeks for me. This has been going on now since uh, uh, basically New Year's weekend. Uh, because the deals are great right now. This is the best time to buy because nobody wants to buy a rig in the winter. So uh, they are desperate to sell, plus they have new inventory coming in. Uh, you know, somebody else noted today something else is crazy for those of us in iOS land. I've never really seen this before, and that's why I wanted to just mention this really quick before we kick the rest of the show off. Uh, Apple is previewing iOS 9.3 to the general public. Yeah, they did that before. They have? Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember major releases they've done it. But point releases? 
I thought they did 9.2, but I might be I don't, wrong. I don't, not to the general public in a way where they're marketing it, too. And some of the things they're marketing uh, is Night Shift. Did you see this? So yeah, it, I took a look at it this morning. It's uh, it's like flux, right? It it, yeah. it it reduces the amount of blue light that uh, the uh, the iOS device is outputting. Uh, they're adding Touch ID to Notes. They're doing some other crap with health and and news. Um, uh, but I thought the really interesting thing was is uh, it looks like also they're adding multi user accounts too, or something like they're oh oh oh. Oh, that was it. That's what I wanted to mention. Somewhere in the release notes, it also says they removed all private Apple uh, uh, APIs, which to me seems that yeah. seems. I mean, that seems like that would break their own applications. That actually seems like that's actually not possible because they would have to have had time to revamp their app. Well, maybe they have. Maybe that's part yeah. of this update. I mean, actually, the biggest thing for me was the education functionality, the uh, mobile device management. I didn't quite grok what that was. That is a kick in the balls to Chrome. Chromebooks, right? That's kind of what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I am not running 9.3 because my phone is my only phone. <laughs> and if anything were to happen, that would be bad. Um, oh, hey, look, my phone's ringing again. Go ahead, take it. All right, let's see. Let's see. I don't think it's them. I think this is a... Mute yourself. Hello, hello, this is Chris. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, good. Telephone number has been pre-selected to uh-huh. receive a complimentary stay in one of our five-star hotels. You see, now, uh, w- this is the thing, Mike, and now i got to keep my phone with me in case the, there's something happening on the deal, and I'm getting this crap. I'm getting I this get- I get the uh, calls from India. Would you like to monetize your website for Google AdWords or this something? This is so frustrating. I yeah. hate this stuff. This stuff needs to be modernized. So much paperwork, too. It just needs to be modernized so badly. It just it, The technologist in me, when I'm sitting there going through this process, is dying on the inside See, watching See, I, I kind of disagree with you. It is, it is modernized if you have a W-2. If you have pay stubs and a W-2, they run it through an algorithm, through a computer, and they get an immediate response. Oh. The problem is you're having – you and I always have to go through the old process because – because it's old? I mean, because well, they haven't updated because, it for... We, because we're the exception, not the rule. I know, but it seems post-2008, this has got to be more and more common. I mean, it just seems to be more and more people are going to have to create their own work. But, I mean, I, yeah, I, I know. I'm not asking I, I, you to explain it. It's just I agree with you. I mean, I really don't believe that, to be honest with you. Uh, I recently mm. had an experience that it was so clear to me that this is like over over the finance guy's head. But whatever. Yeah, I, I've definitely had that experience too. Yeah, um, like. Well, all right. So why don't we shift gear into actual show mode? Because uh, my my commiserating uh, will uh, well, I guess you'll know. So I think is it is it next week? Let me look at the calendar right now. I should look at the calendar. Yeah, next week is our going to be our special guest host. Uh, Angela is going to join Mike to do Coda Radio. We weren't telling people that it was Angela. Well, she kind of she kind of slipped the she kind of slipped the uh, the uh, uh, news out on Tech Talk today. So like some people already know. Oh, I, I listened to Tech Talk today on a three-day time. time yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's a good so idea. So I will find out at the end of the week. So uh, there you go. So next week, Angela will be joining Mike for a special edition of Coda Radio, and I'll be on the road. I don't know what I'll be driving. I don't know if what, what uh, but I'm really excited about that because I'll get there. to listen. I've never, I've never been able to listen to the show and not been in it. He's not going to get to listen. Not only are they not going to let him finance the Sarfi, they're actually going to repo the existing one. <laughs> yeah, somewhere I, I signed on the dotted oh, we line. Made a horrible mistake. Hang yeah. on. <laughs> so that should be fun, uh, and uh, I, I'm sure uh, you guys will have a great episode. I'll, I'll have you two uh, chat. Have you have you have you jumped in our Slack? You know we have a Slack. I jump in the IRC. Is that why IRC is dead all the time? Well, the production chat, yeah. Because well, well, not always. Like today, it was moving, but. Uh, uh, yeah, we've moved a lot of stuff into Slack just so we can break it down in individual shows because otherwise, like, when some shows come up, like, they'll dominate the production chat. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I did not know that. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you did not invite me. Yeah, well, shoot me an email address you want me to invite to, and I'll send you an invite. Oh, I, I will. Uh, Chris, I will take it. I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty, I'm pretty, pretty happy with Slack. I know there's uh, Mattermost and uh, some other open source alternatives, which I'm also going to look into, but Slack's been really useful for us I, for a little bit. We, um... 
Oh, here at Buccaneer, I think we talked about this once. Maybe, actually, maybe we didn't. We were on the full Atlassian tool chain, Bitbucket, HipChat, and Jira. Mm-hmm. And we lasted roughly three days. <laughs> we went back to Slack. We kept everything else. Jira's great. Bitbucket's great. Yeah. But HipChat was, not, uh, was yeah. not doing it for us. For us, uh, we've, got, we've got like three things. And it's kind of like uh, – so Slack is sort of the – we have like channels for production chat and back-end stuff, right? Uh, and uh, scheduling things and whatnot. And then we have Telegram for, like, I need an immediate answer to this question. Uh, so that's uh, kind of... Uh, Chris, Chris are, are you aware that ISIS uses Telegram? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Um, and uh, so we have... We're, we're, we're terrorists on Telegram. And then we also have IRC, which, uh, per, which facilitates some real-time production stuff. So uh, yeah. wait, wait, wait. I have singing enough CSI and enough NCIS... So IRC means we'll an- we're anarchist hackers. Right. That's where the, that's where we do our hacking and bot control for taking right. over power grids. Mm-hmm. Naturally. Yeah. And uh, Telegram means that we are, you know, domestically radicalized. That's ISIS where I get my my uh, my new orders from Al Baghdadi uh, on my next target. Yeah. Assalamu alaikum, my brother. Yeah. And then in Slack, that's uh, what uh, where we get our hipster on. It means we're abs- <laughs> Yes. It means we are aeropress brewing coffee <laughs> together. <laughs> no, uh, it's not Slack. Slack yeah. is. Yeah, no, no, Slack is all good. It's been it's been nice. So you proposed a question to the subreddit over at coderadio.reddit.com, and you asked, "Is the app age over? The golden age of apps is coming to a close, but for developers, getting us to download their apps is increasingly difficult and expensive. Outside of games, we spend the vast majority of our time in apps built by Facebook and Google. They make eight out of the ten most used apps, according to Comscore." Mike says he just read that and he agrees. The real issue is figuring out how most optimally provide value to customers and users. So you must have been mulling this over. And after you asked the question, I started thinking, I think the app age is over. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't have posted if I, if I didn't think it was worth talking about. Wow, that was a not nice response. Um, I'm not happy about this. Right? <laughs> so let's just... Right, because it was going to be an opportunity to make a, a good living. You know, lots of different uh, but, niches to fill. You know... And I think this is not the first time I've said this. I think we're going to end up back towards a more open doc like model. Do you remember open doc, Chris? Or oh yeah, oh yeah, where yeah. it was you don't you take the emphasis off the application and right. you put the emphasis on the actual document of data itself, with an idea being that uh, you don't really have lock in anymore. You just move things between applications. But, yeah, the idea is like I don't a theoretical office worker doesn't really care what app she's using, right, or he's using whatever. Um, they just need to work on this document. You know, let's say a paralegal, right? He needs to work on this document, get it done, get it to his boss, get it off to his client. They don't, you know, they don't necessarily care that they're doing it in Word or Outlook. And, and to be honest, my, uh, you know, I'm using the iPad Pro. I'm using the iPad Air One. Um, more and more, the things that are limiting me are, oh Jesus, I got to like copy this text by hand, mm. go into this other app. Now, some apps have the iOS eight, iOS nine extensions, but most don't and it's still pretty limited i wow there's the old ass open doc animation yep um, yeah, nice <laughs> you know i i and slack is actually leading the charge here with their new slack api and their new slack fund um we didn't talk about this but they are actually doing funding for small developers or applications that want to use slack as a point of entry right, right. and this is kind of an interesting idea slack as a platform basically which, to be honest, that's how we use Slack. I mean, in fact, I'm waiting for documents to be sent to me on Slack right now. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, we edit, comment on docs, um, and I think a lot of people are doing that. And I just, I, I, I think if your goal is optimal efficiency, optimal simplicity for regular business users, an open doc-like model probably makes a lot of sense. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, Let's go circa 1994 here and just, you know, blow everything away. But certainly, you know, certainly we're – I feel like we're at one extreme, right? We're, we're totally siloed And that if I want to do something on Google Docs, this is in Google Docs, Word is in Word, Excel is Excel, blah, 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 blah. A more open model where the document was the center if, in terms of your data object, your, the document was the central object – would allow you to act on the document via services provided by uh, what we call apps, but are probably going to be more like services, right? Mm-hmm. They may, maybe I'm pie in the sky. Maybe I was huffing too much paint this morning. I don't know. But I definitely feel like 
you know, in terms of mobile tablet productivity, this is probably the logical end game here. And, and end game being relative because nothing ever ends. But well, I'll on. tell you right now. So it's interesting that so for us, what's been really nice is to have a central organizing place around a project. You know, you're working on a uh, particular production, which maybe the person who's working on it doesn't have all the assets or doesn't have all the information. Uh, and the other thing that we found to be kind of helpful is to have uh, uh, very specific, like this room stays on target. We stay on discussion in this room. And, you know, this is for, dis- you know, if you want to have a side conversation about this, there's different channels for that. And for the most part, it seems to work for us because then we can link to YouTube videos or to, you know, file assets or docs is a very, you know, when... When we're working on uh, tomorrow, when I'm working on Linux Unplugged, one of the first things I'll do in the morning is I'll create a doc and I'll share it with anybody, everybody that's in that Slack channel. And then I paste a link to the doc in there. And, I, you know, here's the doc. Here's where we're all working from. Here's our central organizing point. Right, exactly. And, and I'm not, just for, to Sokol's point in the chat, I'm not specifically saying that Slack is the answer to this. I'm saying that this model as, a, right. as an architectural way to look at your software yeah. is probably one that would, if allowed by the platform vendors... Um, would provide increased productivity and really just a seamless work environment for the user. Yeah, and like I said, there are other things out there like Mattermost, uh, which is a Slack alternative that you can host yourself right up on DigitalOcean if you want to. So uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a very interesting. I think it's a very interesting kind of new model where you know a lot of the apps people are using are created by the big companies out there, and then you know the other things out there are like people things that people are using to get their work done. And there's some there's some wiggle room there, but uh, Slack is going to fill a lot of needs just on tying all this stuff together. And so the real question is going to be what's left. You well, know, one, t- one other point: the the Amazon uh, Alexi or the Amazon Echo uh, actually follows this model. Your apps that you can make for it are just web services that it calls into. They're not traditional client apps that we would think of. Well, and in, in a lot of ways, you know, let let Amazon develop that front-end interface, let Slack develop that back-end platform, and let the uh, people who are creating plugins focus on their aspect of it, I guess. Right, and remember, the, the, the interface isn't always going to be a touchscreen. It's not always going to be a desktop, right? It could be like the Amazon Echo, a voice thing, where you don't need an interface. The interface is, you know, Alexi, uh, go get those pictures of Chris I'm blackmailing him with. Right. Right. The ones I frequently pull up and blackmail him with. He stressed this, Jar Jar. So uh, speaking of DigitalOcean, let's take a moment and talk about DigitalOcean because there are packages out there like Mattermost and other solutions like GitLab that you can host on your own. And I think our conversation here, what it really is doing is it's, it's underscoring how important these types of platforms and tools can be when working with a couple of people or large projects. Uh, and so for me, Mattermost is going to be something I look into because eventually down the road, it's probably something I'm going to want to have control over. That's what I love about DigitalOcean. If you use our promo code Coder Digital, you'll get a $10 credit. You can go over there. You'll have root access to the rig. You can watch it in their HTML5 console post all the way up to the login. You can take snapshots. You can destroy the machines. One-click deployment of applications. You can move it around the world to different data centers. they got data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Germany, and Toronto. They're working upstream with great distributions and projects. They're contributing open source code to the Doku project. They pay staff to edit the tutorials that they get submitted from their community. They pay their community members for good contributions. Every time they get into a new aspect of their business, they really go all in. When they decided to build a VPS hosting solution, they built something above and beyond, something that you could legitimately call droplets because it's like a combination of technology nobody else has all ssd for the disk io kvm for the virtualizer linux for the back end and an amazing front end intuitive interface with a straightforward api that gets regularly updated and is well documented and there's a lot of open source code already written around that api that you can take advantage of right now you don't even have to write a line of code yourself and there's a lot of great libraries to plug into pretty much any language you like to use to tie in right with their API. It gives you the peace of mind when deploying this in production. It gives you the simplicity when trying this and testing. And it gives you the opportunity to learn something new. And you can use our promo code Coder Digital to try it for two months for absolutely free and support this show. Go over to DigitalOcean and see what it's like to have a really great hosting service that you have full control over that has acceptable uses for your wide range of skill sets out there. 
If you don't want to spend all day managing managing servers, they got one click deployments of the best open source stacks out there. And if you want to set up a system from scratch and manage every single aspect of it, you absolutely can. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code CODERDIGITAL. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Thanks, you guys. It really means a lot to us. 2016 is looking good for DigitalOcean. Coder Digital. Thanks, DigitalOcean. All right, Mr. Dominic. Switching to Linux came up this week again. And I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but, you know, when one of you developers out there actually switches over from the Mac, I, I take note. I, it does grab my attention. So this is Everett Pott, uh, and uh, you may know him from such projects as the PHP Framework Group. Uh, he's a lead developer for uh, uh, the Sabre Project. He's uh, one of the Forex co-founders and CTO. He's worked for File Mobile before. He does consulting. He's, he's well-known. He's at Everett P on Twitter, uh, Everett on GitHub. He switched back to the Mac uh, back when, uh, when Canonical sort of went from GNOME 2 to Unity and when the MacBook started getting kind of good, he made the switch to the MacBook from Linux. Uh, and he says, in 10 years, a lot has changed. Um, but the main thing is, is that Apple had a work just works reputation, but it stopped to be true. Performance optimizations of new software seem to end when it works smoothly on current hardware, which means that it doesn't take long for hardware to get branded old. Take, for example, um, Handoff. Only works on a really limited range of actual Macs. On an, if you look at the installed base, I'm not talking about what ships today. If you look at the installed base of the Macintosh platform, a tiny fraction of them even can handle handoff. Yeah. Uh, he says, every, every, uh, everything these days feels worse. It's extremely frustrating that I get this big honking machine fairly recently. He's talking about a big iMac. And it already feels old and not fun to use. This thing was a big expense. I justified it because programming was my livelihood. So here was also my reason to try Linux. I had a sneaking suspicion that running Linux on the same hardware would easily outperform OS X. I do believe that Linux tends to be a bit more maintenance-heavy, but if it runs faster, I don't care. He goes through his logic tree of installing Ubuntu. He tries pretty much everything and ends up back at Ubuntu. He talks about how web applications make a big difference, how Dropbox now makes a big difference. talks about how 1Password sucks, so don't use 1Password under Linux. Uh, He talks about chat being better and how there's not a great calendar uh, app. And after trying on a MacBook Air, he ends up winding up getting an XPS 13. Because he had an old MacBook Air he was trying it on. He ends up getting an XPS 13, and uh, he's sticking with it. He likes it, and it doesn't uh, – it hasn't uh, – I guess the, the way to say it is it hasn't impacted his workflow negatively, he thinks. Um, he says the cons are five hours of battery life, but he says he can deal with five hours of battery life. He doesn't like where Dell chose to put the camera and things like that, but he's liking the KDE desktop. And uh, he's also uh, picked up uh, like back in time to do time machine-like backups, only better. He says that if you're a type of developer that doesn't shy away from a bit of tinkering and you're as fed up with Apple, I can recommend the switch that I made. I would definitely say it's not particularly easy. Thinking is required, and you may not be up and running within a day. One thing I also notice, and I feel is true for switching any new operating system, is that if you switch from A to B, the first things you will run into are all the things that System A did great, but System B does not. It takes a lot longer to start seeing all the things that System B has over System A because it takes time to discover those benefits and create new habits. This is perhaps true for Linux even more than other operating systems, and even though I feel like I'm not quite there yet, I feel that in the end I'll end up running an operating system and hardware that are incredibly customizable, don't lock you into proprietary, tightly controlled ecosystems, and you'll feel right, you'll feel the support and advancements of the freedom and the knowledge of that uh, instead of helping to restrict it. He's got quite a bit of responses on his blog post, but it basically breaks it down to a few things. He gets better performance on cheaper hardware. Uh, he gives him more flexibility on the hardware he wants to buy. And I think what he's really getting at is he's not tied to strategy tax because he talks about how, uh, you know, the operating system has really kind of gone downhill since uh, Snow Leopard. And uh, I think a lot of that is due to strategy tax, which we talk about all the time on this show. So, Mike, I wanted to put this out there and ask you, is this no longer getting to be a really out there proposition? Do you think with, like, the Dell XPSs and the System 76s out there that – Maybe it's getting good enough that uh, – because also this uh, last week, Dan Gilmore, a longtime tech journalist, Dan Gilmore, wrote that he's switching from the Mac to Linux. 
the problem is if you're doing anything where you need to touch like the iOS tool chain. Yes, right. It's why I think it's like you have to like preface it with, well, say you're a web developer or you're not writing for the Apple ecosystem. Right. If you're like a Python developer, then yeah. Even if you're a web developer and you need to, for some reason, run the simulator, right, because you're you're working on a PhoneGap project or a Cordova project or something. Um, the minute you need that, the whole kind of house of cards falls right down. And that's not great. I mean, I've experimented with switching back to Lynx, but ultimately... Do you think it's too limiting in, in your ability to experiment? Mac or Linux? Linux. Like there, are things, there are things that are easier on – let me just give you an example. Like installing a Rails toolchain on Ubuntu is a lot easier than on Mac because Postgres hates me on Mac, and I don't know why. It yeah. always takes me like half a day to do it. On Ubuntu, it's like two pseudo app gets, and it just kind of works. Yeah, um, yeah. The – I guess I'll put it this way. I don't know why you would use a Mac as your dev machine if you do you were doing like straight back end Python Rails development, but you and not working with someone who was doing iOS mobile, right? Do you suspect now that it might be more reasonable to use a a modern Ubuntu on a ThinkPad or an XPS than it would be to buy Windows? Yeah. So I had a brief encounter at Windows 10 again this weekend. It wasn't terrible. Um, and I think it's a f- fine choice. But I would say the jump coming from Mac to Windows versus Mac to Ubuntu is going to be a lot bigger. Right, because at the end of the day, if you open up a, an Ubuntu terminal, it's still Bash. This is what I was going to say. Is like That seems right. to be the big feature. Is It's Bash. You've got SSH. You've got, a, you've got a legitimate package manager with legitimate large repos that really does make getting set up and running when you're working on something right. fast and convenient. So, I, you know, one thing is like every time I have to use the more modern OS X kind of functionality, it feels more clunky than just popping open back, 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 Bash. And running a few homebrew mm-hmm. commands, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was sort of uh, that's that's interesting. That's sort of been my impression. So I have an ongoing Windows test machine that I boot into from time to time here in the studio, and right. uh, it it has um, nothing I mean, particularly it, I have about it jumps out at me, making me would for a work machine making me want to use it. Unless I had a Win thirty two Win sixty four application that I had right. to use for my job, I don't really see a specific use case. Well, for it, it may be an unfair comparison too, right? Because the va- the value in a Windows machine as a dev machine really is Visual Studio. Yeah, exactly. Just like the value in a Mac as a dev machine is Xcode. Is Xcode. Right. Um, you know, you. I don't know. <sighs> See, it's so funny because the way Apple bundles the dev tools is you, you effectively have to install Xcode even if you're not doing iOS development. Um, I really don't know if your average Rails web developer who really, really never, ever, ever has to run an iOS simulator would benefit from running Ubuntu. Or, or would they be... Because OS ten, particularly in that community, has a, and, and even in Node, I would say, has a pretty big mind share and a lot of the tutorials, a lot of the people who are going to help you on Stack Overflow yeah, yeah. are coming from a Mac perspective. Yeah, okay. That's what I was kind of wondering is, I mean, I know there's, for every platform out there, there's lots of legitimate reasons to run that for depending on the type of, you know, like uh, Chaotic is pointing out in the chat room. Maybe you're a game developer, so you're more likely to run Windows, obviously. But uh, when I read um, Everett's post there, I just think to myself, this seems like, even though it's, only a certain um, spectrum of developers out there. It seems right. like a pretty big spectrum and a, one that could be growing larger and larger and larger. And I just find it to be fascinating that well, – I guess what I, what I find to be fascinating about it is I too have gone through these thought processes where, gosh, it would be a lot easier just to have this done on a Mac and, just, and then you know, wanted to just make that leap and be like, no, I can't do it. It's too expensive. So it's interesting to watch the, uh, some of these people make that same leap. And really once you get there, you realize, well, that platform has a whole bunch of shortcomings too. And it's just – I don't know. As, as people that need to get work done, I find it – one of the things that we often focus on is if I could improve my tools – this would be a lot better. And sometimes so, I will fantasize about upgrading the computer and when really I just need to get my work done. And so, 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 yeah, I mean, that's a good point, right? Can you improve your tools? I mean, one big con with most Macs, especially, let's be honest, a lot of developers are using laptops, 
because you cannot update them in any meaningful way, right? Yeah, now uh, even some of them, the RAM is soldered in. But, you know, is I, I think it's a little disingenuous to say that, you know, there isn't a time tax on running a Linux machine as your, as your main dev machine in terms of maintenance, configuration. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. So now here's, here's, where it's, here's why I don't know if it is applicable as much. It feels like the tax on the Mac comes in really sort of uh, costly ways to me. Uh, the tax is the hardware upgrades are extremely limited. So, for example, when I... Computer. If I, I mean, get yeah, I mean, my, I'm pretty soon I'm going to have to bend over, and I'm just going to have to buy a Mac Pro if I can't get OBS to do what I need, and that's a pretty limited upgrade path, even on their Mac Pro high end model. So that is a very expensive, costly factor. The other one is like they 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 undervalue the Mac platform as a whole platform. So things like App Store SSL certs lapse, and then I go to launch an application on air, and instead of launching the application, I'm getting prompted to enter my App Store password because there, I guess there was some snafu a month ago. Okay, the Ubuntu App Store is also a non-starter, right? Right, but I don't have to use it. I don't have you to. You don't have to on Mac either. And, and I, I there would, are some things you legitimately do have to use the App Store to get. Like there's you know, a couple. I, of, I wouldn't be surprised if they back off on that. I mean, one yeah. thing I'll give them credit for in the last year, this last upgrade to, to OS X, they've kind of pulled back a little bit. Like they're no longer trying to merge it with iOS, right? They're not doing anything yeah. crazy. But here's my so here's my point though. The maintenance on Linux, there's really no cost associated with it. And uh, in, in direct, like, you know, actually I have to go spend money. The kind, of, the kind of cost that it is, is like this Bonobo here that I'm sitting in front of that we're doing the show. Uh, it needed to be updated because it's a rolling version of Arch, and it had 144 updates to install. So, you know, I did it this morning when I got here early, and I was just putzing around. See, for me... I almost like to play with my computers more than I like to play games on my computers. Well, I do. I like to play with the computer more than I like to play it, use it for gaming. So if I'm not working with the computer, I like to play with it. And so for me, yeah. maintaining the Linux distribution is kind of like it's kind of like playing. It's sort of like an MMO grinder for me. Like I go okay. on my computer and I do these things, and I don't do it during work time, and I don't leave the system in an unusable state during work time. So I don't find that maintenance to be very costly as far as my productivity. See, so we take the opposite approach. Um, I live in fear of my install. I don't touch it. I don't install things that I think could be risky. There are no kernel extensions. <laughs> there is nothing here that is not, you know, very, very conservative. Um, and, and I would almost put to you that you have multiple computers right now. I have one. So maybe we're coming at this from a different angle. If this machine were to not work... I effectively have to close my doors until I can fix it. Yeah, I mean, but a couple of them, there's, there are, are, there are three computers in this room that are irreplaceable, that are, like, I can't, I can't have anything happen to them. Well, all right, so, so, so real talk here. I have this MacBook Pro, right? Um, I'm kicking myself in the ass for not going for the hard drive upgrade. So now I'm buying this weird third-party thing called Pear or Peach from CES. Someone sent it to me on Twitter. That is a hundred bucks, and supposedly you put it in the SD slot, and it magically makes it think that that's a part of your hard drive. You know, like you mean like the SD cards, like the uh... yeah, the the SD card slot. Wow, how can that be a thing? It it was written about it. Uh, people you don't I have trust... a, you don't have a MacBook with a DVD drive. It's like a it's like a oh no 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 it's it's an SD card. It it, it is uh... no I know, but I mean your MacBook doesn't have. It's not like that old of a MacBook. It's like there's no optical media in this thing, right? Because you can you can also in the MacBooks replace those optical media bays with another hard drive. Which no, is no, I'd like to see 20, this. Do you have a link a, to it? This is yeah, kind of interesting. I'm trying to bring it up. Uh, huh. All right, it is okay. Yeah, because you just you do have that SD card slot there, and it might even be USB three. Who knows? Yeah, I think this is it. Yeah, here it is. Okay, although the ad on their their website is someone making fancy coffee, so you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know that they know who they're selling. Oh my gosh! All right, so we have a video double double MacBook storage. That's all. Yeah. Double. It doesn't even say double your MacBook storage. It says double MacBook storage. You're starting to scare me. Stop. <laughs> all right, so let's uh, let's see. Do we have uh, we have a video? Okay, your startup disk is almost full. All right, so we got a little video here. Let's see how this works. Hi, I'm Pierce, CEO of Tardisk. In the next 30 seconds, Did you watch you'll this? discover the elegance no, of Tardisk I was scared. and how simple it now is. I like is that it goes flush. Your MacBook storage. Yeah. Beginning with its beautiful unibody aluminum enclosure, Tardisk features 256 gigabytes of lightning fast flash storage. Simply insert into your MacBook to realize its full potential. With a click, 
TARDIS pairs to produce a single hard drive volume that is now twice as big. 256 becomes 512. As the perfect balance of hardware, software, and firmware, TARDIS produces a truly seamless experience. Your productivity or ability to create should never be limited. Huh. TARDIS. All right. I, fit, I bet if it requires LCAP, uh, I bet that is, let's see, where did I put the website? I bet if it requires LCAP, then they're using the new volume management stuff that they that, are that, just... that, That's what I think they're using, right? Um, Ooh, that's first-gen stuff, man. <laughs> I know. I just think I'm, I'm like running on nothing here. And that is one thing about OS X. Once you start running out of space, your performance takes a dive. Yeah, it does. And, you know, they say here that they're using... Uh, they say they're using industry-leading 4K flash controllers, whatever that means. So I ordered the 128 one, and I haven't decided if I'm going to try it. Oh, you should. You totally it should. It's scary, though. It, 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 I think the only risk is is some if something happens to your reader or that card, because then the whole partition could be in trouble. Well, my but, thought is I, I have crash plan backups daily, so if something yeah. did happen... Yeah, I'm going to do it on like a Saturday, right? Where if yeah. something happened, I could, you know. Oh, I don't think that's going to be the risk. I think it's going to happen down the road because it would be like down the road the the, the, the the little SD card gives out or the, the slot gives out or something like that. But, you know, not, since it's in there flush, it might not be a problem. Plus, if you got backups and syncing software, you know, worst case, you're just going to be resetting up your tool sets. Your tool no, chime, I mean, as they say. Really, at some point, you're just going to end up giving up and like, you know buying a new one which is what Apple wants wow what a what a uh, what an interesting thing i wonder what apple thinks about that so uh huh they were at ces and they already have a shipping product that's interesting too well if you do it give me a little update let me know because I, I bet you could roll you could roll something like that under linux with lvm too yeah i imagine it's a lot easier to do under under linux and it isn't exactly version 1.0 stuff either <laughs> So, so here, here's the other thing, though. Come June, I, I can't upgrade my computer if, if I do this, right? Because that seems crazy. Well, it seems like, though, you know, even if you upgraded your computer, then you'd probably still, like, you got the 128 one, so that's not that much money. And, and you know, you, there, you, when you have a, you have, you'll have a use for that computer even once you replace it as your primary machine. You could, you'll, you'll have a secondary task that's still very valuable. I mean, I don't, whenever I replace one of my main computers now, I, they end up doing something else almost immediately. Yeah, they end up being like a build server or something. Oh, or like yeah. oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily. Uh, so anyways, uh, let's take a moment before we, we're going to talk about some, a really cool initiative for anybody that follows Google uh, and uh, has any interest in anything Google's working on. And maybe you don't know all the things they're working on. So it'll help you with that. First, I want to tell you about something you could work on. And that's yourself over at linuxacademy.com slash coders. Go over there right now and check them out and support this show. Let them know that you appreciate them supporting the Coder Radio program. And go look at what they got to offer you. That's linuxacademy.com slash coders. This is a great online resource with over 2,000 self-paced courses, with downloadable comprehensive study guides, scenario-based labs. So you'll work in their advanced lab environment and complete scenarios from beginning to end on live servers. Instructor help is available as a member of Linux Academy. You'll have the ability to ask instructors about anything course-related. That's huge. And remember, this is really technical, like, specific stuff that most places barely can have a grasp on managing the courseware, let alone having instructor help available. Graded server exercises are really cool, too. They're included with Linux Academy memberships. You go in there, you log into a lab, you, you perform a specific task, find out how you did. You get your actions graded. If you're interested in OpenStack, I recommend you check out their OpenStack Essentials course. It's some really good stuff. If you're in the Red Hat Certified Courseware programs, I really encourage you to check out Linux Academy. That's a huge value. If you need to learn the underlying administration basics of Linux or Android development, Python or Ruby development, DevOps, PHP development, Amazon Web Services as well. They've got courseware on all of it. And also what I really like about Linux Academy is they're consistently adding. They're consistently improving. Throughout all of 2015 and already into 2016, they have stuff coming up. It is really cool. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders. You can check out some of their nuggets too, which are really neat. Like one or two minute deep dives into just like a specific topic, which is really handy because it means that if you don't have a lot of time, you could still get some value. And then when you do have more time, you can really deep dive. And that is super nice because it, get, it takes off the pressure. I also really like their availability planner. You go in there and say, okay, I've got time on Monday. I've got time on Tuesday. Whatever your, you know, whatever your situation is. And uh, they will automatically generate courseware that matches that. 
That's a really nice feature. And again, a way that when life gets busy, like during the holidays or something like that, you still have a way to get your value out of your Linux Academy membership. So many great community members as well, because Jupiter Broadcasting has been sending people there for a while. So I think it'd be kind of neat to be able to hang out with people there. It'd be cool to have like a Linux Academy meetup. They have huge things coming too. So I want you to check them out on uh, January 14th. They're going to be announcing new features and new courses. That's very soon. Hee hee hee. So uh, I think you're going to like it a lot. Linux Academy is always improving and they help you improve too. Really great downloadable comprehensive study guides, offline materials, enhanced learning plans, seven plus Linux distributions you get to choose from, plus they'll automatically update the courseware and the server. Detailed notes that you can refer to, easily quantifiable amounts of time. It's a really great service. It is a really great educational platform. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders, and a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio Program. Mike, we have dug up the 2016 Google Tracker, and it's everything Google's working on in the new year. This is by Ron Amandio over on Ars Technica, Um, and it is a huge, well, really, it's everything Alphabet is working on, Uh, from uh, Android N, their big virtual reality push, Internet of Things, Nest, YouTube... Um, Project Wing, Calico, DeepMind, Project Aurora, Google Glass, the new campus they might be building, Project Vault. Google okay, has got so, a billion things going on. I'm sorry. They have something called DeepMind. I find that very scary. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Project DeepMind, Google's artificial intelligence lab, buddy. I knew it would be Woo! scary with a thing like DeepMind. How could you not be like, sorry, humans, it's over. Fight is Fight us next. I don't know what this is, but here we go. uh, We basically work on artificial intelligence. And uh, AI is the science of making machines smart. I hear hear the demon coming. Yeah. So uh, you know how you've hitched your wagon recently to Android? Uh, You know, people like to uh, bang on Microsoft and Apple about their lack of focus. And and it's going so well, Chris, by the way. Let me just tell you that. Is it? How is it going? So, Backpoints for iOS launched in two days and has already outsold Android. No way. Yeah. <laughs> it launched on Friday. It's already outsold it in terms. Wow. Huh. So, that's a thing, huh? It's a thing. When I say sold, I mean, I mean upgrades. So. Well, uh, oh, really? So, it was in an app purchase? Yeah, it's IAP. Yep. Oh, interesting. So it's, uh, wow. It, and I'm like, okay, so it'll catch up in a month. No. <laughs> no. I don't, I don't, I mean, Google's really got, I mean, no wonder they went to Alphabet. They got so much going on. It's weird to, uh, I don't know, it's weird to follow any one of them because you never know which one's really going to be the one that sticks around for a long well, they, time. They definitely have like a focus. Yeah, that for sure. Problem, but. They have like uh, they have like a lot of well, like somebody said in the chat room, they're, they're going to be the next Umbrella Corp. Like Alphabet really is going to be the next Umbrella Corp. They have a lot of things going on. They have the things they focus on, like Android and Chrome and uh, YouTube and you know other you know other big market things like that. Ads, obviously, AdWords. Uh, you know what's funny is this list doesn't have AdWords in it. It's funny how we forget that that's actually their big project. Huh. It's funny, like I'm paying for Google Music and, and by extension, uh, Red YouTube Red. Whatever, yeah, the YouTube thing. Yeah. And pranking people at work with YouTube has never been better. Because <laughs> you don't get the stupid ad coming up now. You just do it on your computer. And you oh, yeah. It. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, That's, that is right. nice. So, so 2016, right? Google plans to kill us all. I mean, I think that's a fair, you know, reasonable stake to say, right? I mean, they're going to have a self-driving car and an AI killing machine to everyone's doorstep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right to me. Sounds, Sounds about right. I mean, the question is, is it more Terminator, Matrix, or um, AI? And if you haven't seen AI, prepare to cry, Chris. Unfortunately, I think it's more Google Now, uh, which we've already gotten there. Oh. It's where, uh, you know, Google, for all the creepiness that they are, uh, still has failed to figure out that I've moved. And I don't know how you tell Google exactly that I've moved. Uh, Google Google thinks I'm in uh, a place I haven't lived in in five years. Yeah. Yeah. So right now it's giving me weather and forecast for places I don't need weather as a forecast to. So uh, their, their artificial intelligence, 
uh, with all the data they collect on me, still has some room for improvement. I think yeah. this is more like what they're get, what they're gonna you're gonna have. It's funny because I got locked out of my personal Gmail today. Oh really? Yeah, I woke up and I got a thing from them on my work account. Your Gmail, blah blah blah, Gmail dot com has been locked for suspicious activity, and it's asking me all these weird personal questions. And it it was right on most of them, but the ones that it was wrong on, it was wrong in like weird subtle ways, <laughs> where, like you could tell that it just it just didn't get the difference there, right? Yeah, like it just didn't understand. But having said that, it knew my wife's name. It knows where I live. It knows my last two addresses. It knows um, apparently the kind of cars I've driven, which may have been a security question. But it, it knows quite a lot about me. Like, where do you get your coffee was one of the questions. Just just to go down this road just for a second, yeah. do you think – do you you know? Do you think they're reading people's PDFs and documents that they're sending back and forth when people are doing deals and stuff like that? Do you think they're taking that in and they have systems smart enough to understand what that is? And oh, like oh, that would be so scary. <laughs> um, well, they're certainly reading the emails and seeing that I get promotions from uh, Eagle Coffee, a local coffee shop here, and Starbucks, a less than local coffee shop. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't use Android Pay for anything, so I have no idea how they figured out which one I go to maybe based on the frequency of the emails. Yeah. Or maybe some sort of Wi-Fi location thing from your phone. Yeah. But my, my personal phone's an iPhone. So like I, I don't always carry my, my work phone. Um, yeah. I feel like they still can track at that. I still feel like they, if you have the Google app on your phone, they do some background. I, I, I do. I have the Gmail app and all that, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, in, in practical terms, if they're OCRing my documents, it really doesn't matter for me. But I could see that mattering if you're a school or a government entity or a Fortune 500. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's just an interesting topic. And man, they are a huge company. They're going to be fun to watch for the rest of the year. Uh, so uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, one thing I'll say to their credit is I did briefly try Office 365, and um, Google. Google Docs was just an easier experience that required less maintenance. Yeah. But I, I'm told that may have changed. But I think Google Stick is ease of use, and then we'll collect everything off of that. Yeah, the Doc stuff is just you're just in and you're working. There's not a lot of stuff around. There's not a whole environment you get into. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and that's a nice, that is a nice experience, and that is sort of what they capitalized. And they made a good email client with Gmail, and they got a lot of data out of that, too. Jordan wrote in uh, with an Angular 2 and Dart email. How about that? He says, there's definite strides being made within the Angular team to provide features to Dart, but currently there is no Dart-specific API for it. But, yeah, check this out. And he links us to a quick start guide uh, on angular.io for uh, the latest info on Dart, which we will have uh, in the show notes if you guys want to check it out. I'm going to go look at it right now. Open. Open Sesame. Yeah, they say it's a five-minute quick start guide. Huh. Start from zero and build a super simple Angular 2 application in Dart. How about that? How about that? Hey, uh, there's a rumor out there that uh, these guys over at Buccaneer IO, Buccaneer Tech, may be hiring. What do you know about this? You know about this rumor? Have you heard this? Yes. So this is a uh, very entry-level kind of customer service-y, QA, uh, lackey-type job. Lackey as a term of endearment. Um, Just kind of to help with some of the I can't always be on the phone sort of thing. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, 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 no experience is required. It's um, you know, really our ideal person's a recent community college graduate or, or high school grad. Part time is available, but we're really looking for someone who who wants to get in, kind of you know, at a lower level and and grow with us. We're not looking for, let's say, summer help at the moment. Though when I wrote that, we were considering that and decided against it. Hmm. Um, we are a Mac shop at the moment, so. You have to run a Mac. We're not going to support a Windows machine. Um, need to know Google Drive and basically have a smartphone or know how to use it. That's all we're looking for. There you go. And maybe be able to speak on the phone? Yeah, you know, not not be someone who answers the phone and says, Allah Akbar, click. Because, oh I mean, as as nice as the feds are, I mean, having to give them coffee four times a week, it, really, I've, I've been to Costco three times buying K-Cups. Like, and it, also, they probably just shouldn't say, oh, my God, submit a ticket. Especially since we don't have a client-facing yeah. ticket system. <laughs> that makes it harder, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was just talking to Noah. He just implemented OS ticket, and he decided to, he decided not to make it customer facing either. They, he well, just has their text enter it. I mean, that's a whole long conversation. I know we need to wrap up the show, but I did that once and only once. Yeah, yeah. I once worked for a company that did all their billing based on ticket resolution and details well, and notes, and that was rough. Because the clients could enter their own tickets. and The average ticket for me was it doesn't work. Oh, yeah. It doesn't work. It's not the font you wanted. Sorry. Yeah. The internet is down. They're submitting to an online ticket su- submission system. The internet is down. Can't uh, open app. From I, the app feedback form. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. I love yeah. it. All right. Well, so look. Uh, coderadio.reddit.com. Go there throughout the week to submit content to our show. If you want to hear us talk about something, go ahead and submit it there. And then uh, just organize a coop of people to vote or however you think to get the vote. Maybe just have a good idea and maybe people vote. Coderadio.reddit.com. You can also email the show like Jordan did by going to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. Mike, did you notice we got like a bunch of CES stuff? Uh, at least I'm, I'm thinking it was CES. We got, it, we got companies emailing us asking to bring their people on the show. And I'm I, thinking it's – you, Do you notice that I said almost yes to everybody? Well, we'll see. Uh, I didn't see the, – there was one we didn't say yes to, I think, but I thought that was kind of a good call. I can't remember. But the one oh, that – I did say no to one. Yeah, there was right. one. One, though, that – yeah, one that I'm particularly interested to see if they follow through. And I'm thinking they all hit us up because, uh, well, CES, and they, mean, they've hired these media people or something. You mean the one who said no to me before because they don't like you, that one? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I think they'll say yes. We'll see. We're very friendly these days. I, I, we have always been friendly. You know, I've, uh, I've, okay. I've eaten I, the Microsoft uh, uh, um, uh, lunchroom, and I have not friends there. one we're talking about. And, and, and App Store review team. I'm just saying, I'm a big enterprise guy, Mike. I'm a big, I, I like, uh, yeah, in the App Store, yeah. I'm just saying, all I'm saying is I'm friendly with everybody. Really, I'm the friendliest guy you know. And uh, I, I, can, I can wear corduroys, and I can be a good boy. Listen, it's all about not taking 30 days to review my app. <laughs> That's all I care about. <laughs> if, if you can get it done, 10 days, fine. Seven days, you're, you're, you're a mensch. I love you. Now, uh, if coderadio.reddit.com isn't enough for you, I got a real pro tip for you. Like these fine people did here in the chat room join us live on Mondays over at jblive.tv. Now, next week's going to be a whole new bag of cats, like nothing we've ever done on the Coder Radio program. Like nothing. And uh, I may or may not be in a new rig driving down to scale I hope to see it scale teespring.com slash last 400 if you want to support our efforts and get some swag and uh, come out and say hi I'll be representing Michael Dominic Mike is there anywhere you want to send people throughout the week uh, well, DominicM.com is back up after a vicious fight with the Who Is people. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, I have an app code review up there that we forgot to cover today, since so you want to read it. Oh, ahead. we did? We did. I forgot to tell you about it. That's it's all right. Would you want to, uh, you know what? Hold on. Hold that thought. Let's wrap it up here. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you back here next week.